Welcome to the Stories She Sings, where we bring messages of biblical women to life through inspired songs. We hope this podcast will be a place of rest, refuge, and refreshing in the presence of God. Good morning. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the story she sings. Today, as I have been up early, deciding on the perfect time to record this podcast, I've decided that it's got to be early in the mornings. Early in the morning is the time that I would rise and pour my heart out to the Lord in songwriting and journal keeping. And it just seems to be the best time of the day to open your heart and to share without the interruptions of phone calls and the other things that just vie for your attention during the day. For years, I've called this my divine appointment. And as I begin to share these thoughts of my heart, the feelings in my soul with the one who stands in need of partaking of his spirit alongside with me, I come to you, to the one, knowing that it isn't necessarily for the multitudes that I do this, but for that one who may just be in need of a song. It is my hope that as we spend this time together, that it will bring up into your awareness the righteous desires of your heart to be about your purpose, your calling, and your mission. And to remember that sometimes our purpose isn't for the multitudes. Sometimes it's for the one. I look at the Savior's life and I think of how many times he went about his healing ministry and he would speak after he would heal somebody and he would say to them, go and tell no one. And you know, I often wondered why he said that, but I think that his gift for each individual was very pertinent for that soul and that this was just his miracle his time to be with that individual. As a young girl, I wanted to know the Lord. I had a wonderful father. He was from a very strong religious upbringing. And I know that as a young girl, he wanted to keep me in line. And I thank him for that now. He passed away in 2013. But during my teenage years, my dad was strong and he he kept a a firm hand on me. And I look back and I see all the love in that. But at the time, I didn't know, I didn't translate that as love. I didn't translate the stern looks and the, the, a little bit of harshness as love. But I look back at that and I perceive him through a different way now. But at that time, I needed to know who I was. And I think every teenager needs to know their value and their uniqueness to somebody. I had a beautiful woman in my life. Her name was Nola Valentine, and she's in her 90s today. And this is a sweet and special tribute to Nola because it was during the time that I was praying to know if there was indeed a God 
and to feel that fatherly influence in my life through a loving eternal father to help balance out the the little bit of harshness and the the way that my dad was bringing me up that Nola came into my life. She became my voice teacher at a time when I began writing the songs after a very significant experience with the power of prayer where I asked to know if there truly was a God. I was 15 years old at the time. I was going to Crescenta Valley High School. I had beautiful friendships and and people that I absolutely loved and adored. At that time, I always took my role as friend very very seriously and loved my friendships. And this experience kind of fashioned me in a new way and set my heart upon graduating early. And then I went to Brigham Young University after that. But it all began with that prayer to know if there truly was a God, truly is a God. It's at that time that I began to understand at that very young age that I felt like I was born to sing for the Savior, not necessarily for the multitudes. I remember how often I began to kneel at the side of my bed as a young girl and sing my prayers to Jesus. I never had any desire to sing for others, really, or to become a professional singer, I knew that I couldn't do those fancy trills like Celine Dion and and I just my songs were just lullabies. It actually wasn't singing per se that I loved. It was the song that I felt that I had come to this earth to sing that I loved. It was the song of the Savior's redeeming love that began to bubble up in my heart like a fountain. And each time I began to sing the songs of my heart for him about the atonement of Jesus Christ, I felt that aching and that loneliness dissipate. I knew that I would never really sing for the ears of this world. I would sing lullabies to God's children, to the precious and few kindred hearts who had ears to hear. I've met many little children, both old and young, tall and short, who are homesick for heaven upon this earth. Perhaps the song of my heart could bless them in their search for their Father in heaven's love. Perhaps it might give them the added strength they might need in order to carry on as they went about seeking to know their own purpose, calling, and mission. One time when I was resisting my own music mission, not wanting to share the sacred prayers of my heart with those who might not appreciate them, my heart was touched by the aching of the Savior's heart in regard to his lost lambs. The words came to my mind distinctly one morning, quote, Satan is doing all that he can to lullaby to lull my children away from me. I need the voice of my dear ones to lullaby them back to me. I sensed the kind shepherd was hurting for the loss of some of his most tender ones, some of his dearest. In that precise moment, I felt compassion for him, and I whispered, I will go 
send me. I knew and I know now that each of us signed up to fulfill a heavenly task in a mortal body. I know that my songs may not be for the 90 and 9. They might only be for that dear one. When I understood my purpose, I promised him, I will go and search for the one, the one who can be touched by the sound of a song that speaks of your redeeming love, the one that is dear to the heart of the shepherd. I reminisce on my first experience opening my scriptures when Laura was just a little baby and would wake up in the night. And I really didn't know all of the stories about women in the scriptures, but I was extremely touched by the woman at the well. She came to fill her water pots one hot afternoon. She did not know the man at the well, perhaps at all. In fact, she did not even know that he was the Son of God. Not at first, anyway. As a matter of fact, she'd never heard anything about him. She was a woman of Samaria. She must have understood the role of a prophet as she asked him if he was a prophet. She did not know him, but he knew her. He knew she was pure in heart. Pure in heart does not mean perfect. It simply means that he perceived that she had gone about finding true love in the only way she knew. It was a righteous desire to want to love and to be loved, even back in her day. True, she had had many husbands. And she was in the process of living with the fifth, who was not her husband. Perhaps the reason that she was living with the fifth was because she may have given up on herself. She may have doubted her ability to really do marriage, or perhaps she had come to think of it as mirage. She was thirsty, and she came to Jacob's well in order to fill her water pots that day. She may have looked in all the wrong places up to this point in her life, but she was still searching for a well that would never run dry. She was going to find true love come pain or high water. She had not given up on love. The day she learned about the man at the well, she ran to tell her people. She wanted to tell everyone else all about him. She wanted everyone to splash and dance like little children in the fountain of pure love, of living water that she had just discovered. She wanted all men to rejoice in the Savior's constant and steady stream of love, light, and truth. And she didn't want anyone to be left out. She was overflowing with her newfound joy of the pure love of Jesus Christ when she ran back to the land of Samaria, leaving her water pot behind, to tell her people of this man at the well who knew her every secret, who knew her weakness, but offered her living water. 
In her hurry, she danced off with her heart overflowing to think that this man could know the secrets of her heart, not judge her, and still love her. In her exuberance, she left the pots behind. One night, I dreamt that children of all ages were being brought to me for spiritual and emotional nurturing. I even saw in that dream my dear 72-year-old friend, Mac McNaughton, come into my view. I was beginning to understand that becoming as a little child didn't have an age limit. To enter into God's kingdom, you don't have to stand at the measuring stick like you do to determine a Disneyland if you're still too short to ride on the best rides. Not so in God's kingdom. To enter there, it's not a matter of age or height or even weight. It's not even a matter of time. It's a matter of being eager, willing, and pure in heart. Just like the woman at the well, we never know when he will show up in our lives, but we all deserve to prepare our hearts so that when he comes to us, we will be ready to see his face, to envision his eyes gazing down upon us, looking into our souls and seeing us through the eyes of his compassion. In the dream, I was surrounded by his children. There were many little ones, but there were many old ones too, elderly and every age in between. The words that came to my mind in that dream were these. These are they who did not necessarily grow up with all the spiritual love and emotional nurturing of a mortal mother. The still small voice narrated to my mind as I slept. I looked at Mac in the dream. It was true. His mother had died when he was just 12 years old. He had missed her influence deeply for the past 60 years. During our first session together, he wept. As I gave Mac a massage that day, way back in 2001, I played the Heater's Touch CD, a CD full of songs that I've written all about the ministering of angels and the nurturing of the wounded in spirit and the broken heart. And as I ministered to Mac, I watched as tears trickled down his cheeks. I continued ministering, humming along to the songs, massaging his arms, his shoulders, his feet and hands. And at the end of the session, I said to him, Mac, is there something that you would like to tell me? He shared with me that as a little boy, he had loved his mother dearly. And one day when he came home from school, he found her slumped over at the kitchen table and she had passed away. He said that at that time, being 12 years old, he felt abandoned, he felt rejected, and he became angry. As he processed this, it turned into the spirit of sarcasm, and he became very sarcastic. And this was just his way of self-protecting himself. He said, as you were giving me that loving, nurturing massage, 
He said, I felt in my mind a little vision come into play. I saw the door of the massage room open and I saw my mother standing at the door. She was gazing in on me as you worked on me with your back to the door. And as she looked at me, she said, Mac, I did not leave you because I did not love you. It was my time. You are in good hands now. And it's time for you to be healed and your broken heart to be made whole. Mac wept and I wept with him. And so did Diana McNaughton, his wife. As I have been able to do my ministry for those who are wounded in spirit, they come in all sizes and shapes, in ages and heights. But I know that the ones that the Savior brings to me to nurture with song and scent and with a gift of nurturing, compassionate, therapeutic touch are those who he desires to have their hearts mended and made whole. I think again of the woman at the well. I think of the people that resisted her testimony of the Savior Jesus Christ because they did not value her opinion. If she had made so many choices to obviously marry the wrong person. Why had she been married so many times? Those people judged her. But when the Savior himself came to the land of Samaria, he stayed with them for three days. And during those three days, he performed miracles and he performed healings. And perhaps he gave blessings to the little children and to the elderly. He spent a three-day mission nurturing her people. And at the end of those three days, they said all together with rejoicing hearts, now we know for ourselves. We know that he is a Messiah, not because of what you told us, but because we have experienced his love for ourselves. I've written a few songs about the woman at the well, but today I'm going to share with you the first song that I wrote. And it was first put on the CD with perfumed oil, and it was called The Man at the Well. And it is the story of the woman at the well singing about the Savior Jesus Christ in first person. As I've written these songs, I've tried to put myself in the place of each woman and imagine what it might have been like to be in her place. As I've done this, I've begun to feel the spirit of these women. And there have been times in my life when I have been in times of isolation or having less social contact because of having four little children around my knee and not it's not easy to take four little kids out to the store but even now 
in this time of spending more time at home, my heart has been turned back, back to the songs about the women in the scriptures, back to the woman at the well, back to nurturing my relationship with her and with each one of these women. And this will be the topic and the material for these podcasts as I share a song with you and the story and the reasons why that song came bubbling up in my heart like a fountain of living water. I want to share that I know that this gift of songwriting is a gift because I've never really written a love song for a man. I've never written songs about anything else. It seems that the gift of songwriting has only been turned on in my heart to write and sing songs for Jesus. And so you'll probably never hear a song from me that is a beautiful love song unless unless that becomes uncorked and, and tapped into in my heart. And even though I love my husband dearly, I still have not been blessed to write a love song for a mortal man. The gift is writing about the song of redeeming love, the song of the Savior Jesus Christ, the song about the atonement. When I reminisce back to age 15 and to the beautiful experience I had where I was crowned with a blessing of his love for three beautiful days, wherein I could feel nothing but pure love for all mankind. I marvel that this experience has stayed with me all of my life and that it nurtured songs into my 40s and even my 50s. And so during these podcasts, you will be able to partake of the story and the song that he gifted to me at a particular time. Maybe it would be for one of my clients or for a family member or for a friend, but it hasn't been until now that I have felt that urging and that release to go ahead and share the song of my heart. Today, I would like to share with you the song called The Man at the Well. Asked me for some water, my soul weary, my heart of thirst. I came to fill my own need. I gave him water first. In his eyes, pure love shining, though my journey had been long. I gazed upon him, his heart broke into song. So many times you've looked for true love, so many times you failed. You'll find pure love, living water from the man at the He knew 
Karen Lynn Grant with the story she sings. Today I am so excited to be here with you and to share with you a little bit about the journey of coming unto Christ like a woman at the well in a modern century, in the 21st century. As I have spent a great deal of time pondering the woman at the well and her life and what she might have felt, what she experienced, I would like to add a part two to the first recording I did called The Man at the Well. This recording is The Woman at the Well. I would like to share with you some of the things, the thoughts, the feelings that I had years ago for any woman out there or man. It doesn't matter what gender you are. We are all very capable of feeling every human emotion. Well, I found a journal entry recently that I had written many, many years ago, and I would like to share that with you now before I share another song from another perspective about the woman at the well. Father, The only way to quench the loneliness in those years of emotional isolation from my first husband was to turn to the Savior. On the surface, all may have seemed well, 
but my marriage was like a dry, barren desert. My husband was going through his own spiritual wilderness, and I was sadly left on my own to satisfy my own spiritual needs and emotional needs. I have learned since that when we covenant to marry someone, we also covenant to be exclusively the one to assist in satisfying their wants and needs. But when your spouse is empty, when the well has run dry, then where do you turn? I turned to thee with all my heart, my might, my mind, and my strength, remembering the words that had filled my mind when I prayed to know if I should marry my husband. The words that had come to my mind at age 21 were these, I bless you to grow closer to me by marrying this man than by any one else you can marry at this time in your life. I knew that there must be a blessing in disguise, and truly as the years passed, I came to realize that the blessing my husband was, he was a great blessing, for because of what was lacking in our marriage, I had to turn to the Lord for emotional and spiritual sustenance during a very lonely time of my life. As a young woman, I had dreamt the dream of laying in bed on Saturday mornings and talking and laughing until noon. I thought marriage would be the end-all and cure-all to loneliness. I thought a husband could fill the yearnings to be close to my mother and my sisters, who all lived in California and Arizona. Now, I was facing a terminal emptiness. It was not physical, it was emotional, and the only thing that could keep it under control was feasting upon the spirit. Cahil Gibran once said that the knife that carves our deepest pain also carves out the cup that will hold our greatest joy. It was true. My middle-of-the-night rendezvous with my scriptures became a time of joy for me. It was true. The loneliness was always quenched in those midnight hours and the early hours of the morning. Every time I turned to the Lord with all of my heart, the songs about the women in the scriptures were now pouring in sweet, steady streams. I was given a gift of being able to envision each one of these women and to feel the emotions that they might have felt as they ministered to the Savior or more ministered to by him. I often felt the presence of ministering angels waiting for me in my living room as I would sleepily carry my waking baby out to the rocker to nurse her back to sleep. One by one, the songs of Mary of Bethany, the Pearl of Perfection and Martha, one perfect heart rolled out of my pen like a steady stream of fresh water, I began to feel as though I knew these women. I felt the connection growing between our hearts was not to be separated by our living in different dispensations or time frames. The more I studied their lives, the more I felt a kindred desire to love and serve the Savior as each one had learned in her lifetime to do. As I read her story, as I read their stories, though only described in a few verses of scripture, in some cases I saw in my mind's eye 
a panorama in living color of their lives, as well as the emotions that they might have been feeling, knowing the only living and true God, and in experiencing for themselves his love for his daughters. Through their love for him, I grew to know and love him too. Through his love for them, I grew to love my sisters in the scriptures. I developed a tenderness for the Samaritan woman who went to find water at the well and came back to tell her people with the news of a Messiah. I wrote the man at the well in the effort to describe the joy I felt in her behalf as she discovered living water for herself. I, too, had searched all my life for pure love. Truly, I related with her. Now, she taught me how to find living water for myself. With all my heart, I wondered if there were other women who were hurting as I was. I wanted to give them pure refreshment, too. And so I began to drink freely from the source. Meanwhile, the aching grew in my heart for the loneliness in my marriage. The wedge was growing deeper. My love for things spiritual had to be kept a secret. The only time I could read and write was in the middle of the night when my husband and young children were fast asleep. My husband would scold me for, quote, hiding behind my scriptures, unquote, and once even threw them across the room at me. I never intended to make him jealous of the relationship I had and was deepening in with my Father in heaven. God never asked me to choose between the two. But my husband was not pleased, and years later, he did ask me to choose between God and him. One night after he was sound asleep, I got up to glue ribbons on the angel note verses that I had been uh, reading and writing in the night to share my love and to earn some money to produce the songs. He awakened to get a drink of water and saw hundreds of angel notes spread across the living room floor where I knelt, gluing ribbons on each one. He swung his foot and angel notes flew everywhere. It wasn't exactly what I had in mind when I asked the Lord to please send my angel notes on a mission so that they might reach those who are in need of emotional comfort. So, as I went about trying to express my love for the Lord, I learned that I must do it quietly, not letting my right hand know what my left hand was doing. I learned the value of praying in secret as well. So, as most of the world slept during the night, that became my only time to turn on the light of the Lord. My heart rejoiced night after night as the songs poured straight into my heart, through my pen and onto paper. Then I would quietly sing the melody that filled my mind onto a cassette and tuck my new baby quietly away, new baby being this song, quietly away in a drawer for safekeeping. During that time, I wrote all the songs that would fill a cassette called He Knew My Heart originally, which later became With Perfumed Oil, and all of the songs on the cassette called The Morning Light. With these two cassettes full of songs about women in the scriptures, 
In every account that I read, I put myself in the place of each woman. Amazing it was to me how very close I felt to each one of them, even though they were dimensions away from me. Though they had lived in different time frames, I felt I had something in common with each and every one of them. My morning devotions became my manna in the wilderness. Then, just before dawn, I would quietly slip back into bed after my scripture study and songwriting time so no one would ever know I had been missing. Moments later, the clock radio would begin to blare the news of the world and a new day would begin. As I read that journal entry, reminiscing on those days in 1987 and 1988, how many decades have passed since then? I was 28 at the time. My babies were small, and not all of them had been born yet. I still would give birth to a fourth child named Stephen. As I ponder this time, and I look back, and I see how I continued in prayer. I continued to feast upon the Spirit. I continued to turn to the Lord when my heart was breaking in that lonely experience of that first marriage. I have no ill for that experience because it was that experience that drew me to my knees, that helped me to create and cultivate a love so deep with the Savior Jesus Christ that it has been carrying me through the next three decades of my life. As I now am 60 years old and I look back that half my lifetime ago, I wrote many of the songs that I'm sharing with you now, knowing that now is the time for this music to go on its mission. I pray that if this episode is the episode that you need, that it will find you, that you will find it, that it will be led to you, that you will be led to it. That if you are experiencing a sorrowful marriage, and if you have not received your release, that you will endure by turning to the Lord in the wee hours of the morning. You may have to sacrifice some sleep. You may have to get up and get on your knees early in the morning when your nursing baby calls for you in the middle of the night. But I can promise you, from my own experience at age 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32, that if you will do this, the Lord will hearken. And as you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. I want to share with you another song that I wrote about the woman at the well. And this song was written actually not knowing that it was about her. It was in the year 2004, that I had an appointment with Gaynor Brunson at the recording studio. And each week I had been recording a new song, but that week had been extremely busy and I had had no time to write a song. I went into my bedroom and knelt down before the Lord and I asked him, will you give me a song? Will you write a song through me that tells of my journey? and my experience with that first marriage, and now as a single divorced woman raising teenagers, the years had passed. 
As I knelt there, a song was written in seven minutes. I didn't have to change a word. I didn't have to change a a rhyme. I didn't have to change a cadence or a beat or a rhythm. The song, One Cherished Heart, poured from my heart, from my mind, through my pencil, onto the paper. I took the song over to the recording studio, not having a tune yet in my heart for it. Often, I would write a song, and the song and the lyrics would come first, and then I would pray for a melody, and the melody would come. Now, I can tell you that I've had a dry spell. I haven't written a new song for a couple of years. The last couple of years, I've spent editing my books and teaching joy coaches across America, and it's been a different season of my life. But it wasn't until a couple of months ago when COVID was hitting that I began to feel an urgency to begin putting the stories and the songs together to share with the one who might be in need of listening. As I went to Gaynor's recording studio that day in 2004, as I opened my mouth, having prayed for a melody, the melody surrounded and serenaded the lyrics to the song, One Cherished Heart. As I began to sing that song, I felt a huge presence in the room. And I felt as though if I could be so bold to say, I felt as though there was an angel in that unseen audience as I recorded the song that day. As I sang, I felt the presence of a woman smiling upon me. And the thought came to my mind, yes, Karen, you caught my story right. You understand my heart. You understand the story of the woman at the well. I do believe that the Lord wants us to liken the stories in the scriptures. He wants us to do as my friend Ramona Akama in Michigan said yesterday on a joy coaching call. Everybody, go find a passage of scripture and put it under your pillow and ask the Lord to touch it, to touch your life, to bless your life, and to bring to life that scripture in your life. As I marvel upon this amazing woman, the woman at the well, I'm so touched. Still to this day, 30 years later, even when I wrote her first song, The Man at the Well, in 1987, and now I reminisce upon a new song that I wrote for her in 2004, There were more songs about her to be written, but not until 2014, and I will share those with you on other episodes. Right now, I would love for you to listen to the song, One Cherished Heart. I owned this song first and then realized that it was a kindred song, kindred to her heart. And so it's a song that I now share with you. And if it is kindred to your heart, I hope that you will own it as well, that you will learn it, that you will sing along with it, that you will hum to it, that you will use it as an impetus and a catalyst to pray and to plead with your Father in heaven that your heart may be lifted 
from the from the depths of loneliness, whether it be because of isolation during COVID, whether it be because you haven't been able to hang out with your friends during this unusual season that we've had in 2020, now on the verge of moving forward into 2021, or whether you're single and do not have a spouse or a loved one in your life, I hope and pray that as you listen to this song, that your heart may be blessed and that this song may be answered with a prayer and a blessing upon your head. Thank you for listening. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the story she sings and the song, One Cherished Heart. There's a gift that's been hidden where no mortal I can see A treasure buried deep within One that beats eternally One soft word turned loose heartstrings One tender touch tuned the lie His gaze made my heart sing His whisper kindled a new fire There were rivers that were wandering Tears flowing unexpressed Hidden griefs I'd never uttered Tears of joy had been suppressed Dumbs of pride that I hid behind Hardened walls that must be rent There were chasms ever widening A strong will that must be bent He spoke to me, he called me by a new name I raised my head from shame He said, feast upon my pure love now Come to me Desire for sin, he gave me a change of heart. He built bridges of forgiveness, he broke the shackles from my feet. On the brink of living water, now bathe me in pools of mercy sweet. And trust the healer's art He blessed me, he called me by a new name I raised my head to him He said, drink of living waters now Come back to me time and time again Embracing me, he called me by a new name I felt my fears depart broken water pot he gave me a brand new heart he said no need to suffer needlessly drop your burdens at my feet if you lay down this foolish pride freestyle the 
He taught me how to laugh and smile He went the second mile and then He showed me the purpose in each trial He smiled and called me friend He turned bitter tears to sweet ones Like he turned water into wine He said, daughter, come dance and sing It's time to leave the nets behind Thank you for listening to One Cherished Heart. In that song, it talks about experiencing the gift of a broken heart and in bringing it to the Savior to have it cleansed and purified. Before closing this podcast this morning, I would like to leave a beautiful thought with those of you who might be experiencing a broken heart. This is something that I wrote for a friend, an affirmation that I would love for you to listen to and to embrace and to let sweep through your heart and through your mind and to mend and work with the Spirit in blessing you at this time. I am embracing the knowledge of whose divine child I am. As a spirit child of God, I rejoiced for the opportunity to come to this earth to inherit a mortal body. My spirit left for joy for the gift of a mortal body through which I would be able to experience all of my physical senses. Through these senses, I would be able to see the physical countenances of my loved ones, hear tender words of love and affection in my mortal ears, transmitting vibrations of love to my heart. Through my God-given senses, I would be able to taste a multitude of vast flavors and experience the gladdening of my heart and the enlivening of my soul through the sense of taste and smell. Through my fingertips, I would be able to trace the softness of a rose's petal or experience pain if I should prick my finger upon one of its thorns. I would learn to know the secret of joy through the unusual dichotomy of the gift of opposition. I would experience the gift of loving and embracing another human being and hopefully experience the gift of reciprocity, being loved and embraced in return. As a spirit child of God, I looked with longing, joy, and sweet anticipation upon the time when my turn on earth would arrive with all of the joy of experiencing the gift of pure cherishing. 
Did I ever wonder as a spirit being prior to my birth upon this earth, if learning to love as God loves, to feel as God feels, to experience emotions and appetites and passions, would include the experience of being brokenhearted? Did I ever think that I might love someone who might reject my love? Did I ever imagine the pain I would endure to have to overcome and wade through the effects of loss, grief, sorrow, or unrequited love? Did I ever imagine that loving with all of my heart would cause me to also experience the sweetest pain? As I have experienced life, to this point I understand that the greatest gift I can offer to anyone is the gift of a vulnerable heart. A vulnerable heart is truly an open, broken heart. It is raw, it is open, it is exposed, it is willing, it hides nothing, it withholds nothing, it offers everything. Perhaps that is what Christ meant when he said, the greatest gift you can offer me is the gift of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Why? Because when my heart is broken, it is vulnerable, it is tender, it is soft, it is pliable, it is willing to be consoled, it craves being comforted, it begs and pleads for more mercy, it is willing to suffer long. When my heart is broken, it is filled with compassion for another's pain and empathy for what they might be experiencing. My heart becomes more willing to listen with the gift of an understanding heart to what another person is feeling. When my heart is broken, I am willing to be made whole, made ready to receive the song of Redeemer, of a Redeemer's love who understands my pain because He has truly suffered more than I have ever suffered or than I will ever suffer. I am made willing in my brokenness to come unto him, the only one who understands more about rejection than I could ever hope to understand or endure, who has experienced loving with the purest of loves and motives only to be denied access by the stubborn heart of his brother or sister. I realized that when I raised my hand, when offered the opportunity to descend from a heavenly realm, to submit myself to experience opposition in all things here upon this earth, I willingly took upon myself the opportunity to both love and be loved, or to love and be rejected by the ones that I offer my love to. Who better can understand me when my heart is broken? Who better can comfort my cries? Who better can bend on his knee to wipe away my tears and pick up the broken shards of shattered dreams than the one who came and gave the gift of his broken heart and his contrite spirit for me? Today I am blessed to know that the gift of a broken heart is truly the greatest gift that I can offer the Son of God. 
For it is when I am in that deep place of vulnerability that I can only be truly suffered by the one who suffered more than I for all the love he spent on those who might never choose to come unto him or to receive him or to fall into his outstretched arms. And on the other hand, if I will receive him and accept his gift and offering to me of his broken heart through the gift of his atonement, then I too can be made whole. Thus, I am learning that a broken heart is the deepest, dearest, most precious kind of heart that I could ever choose to have or give as a gift to another. It is when I humbly offer the Savior the gift of a broken heart in a contrite spirit to him that I release him to do his greatest work. He is the divine physician, the mender, the defender, the befriender, and the healer of the human heart. This is Karen Lynn Grant with the stories she sings. I leave all this with you today and pray for a blessing upon your heart in whatever way it may have cause to mourn, in whatever way it may be seeking to experience more joy. I pray for that gift upon your heart, upon your mind, and into your life today. Thank you for listening to the stories she sings.